Section 23 of the Vegetable Garden. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Vegetable Garden by Ida Dandridge Bennett. Chapter 16 Fall Work in the Garden. Fall work practically closes the year's work in the garden, while at the same time, it may be said to be introductory and initiative to the beginning of another season's work, as it clears the way for the first operations of the spring, and if thoroughly done, simplifies it in a marked degree. The first thing in order will be to clear away all rubbish that may have accumulated during the summer, and pile it on the compost heap. For if it is of a character not likely to be infested with the larvae of insects, to use it as a winter mulch about the trunks of fruit trees, about the rhubarb rows, or as a winter protection for the asparagus bed. If, however, the rubbish be in the nature of weeds, in which seeds exist, the best course will be to rake it into a light dry pile and burn it. The resulting ashes will be of benefit to the garden. The presence of sod along fence rows and about the roots of trees is objectionable, and the fall is a good time to get rid of it, as after the fall rains have thoroughly soaked the ground, it is easily lifted and may be used to protect the beds of tea roses wrapping a chunk of sod, grass side out, about the roots of each plant, forming a cone, and securing it with a stout piece of binder twine, if necessary. Or it may be piled in a heap, with alternating layers of cow manure, and left to decay until spring, when it may be used to enrich the rose or peony beds, or other plants requiring fertilizing. Again, it may be left where dug, simply turning it grass side down about the trees or vines from which it was removed until spring, when if sufficiently decayed, it may be worked into the soil. The fall is a good time in which to prepare for a very early crop of peas by trenching the ground where they are to be planted, filling in a generous quantity of well-rotted manure and placing the necessary amount of earth above this to receive the seed, leaving that portion which will be placed over the seed in a ridge along the trenches. The action of the frost will keep it loose and mellow, and as soon as the ground has dried sufficiently in the spring, the seed may be gotten into the ground with the least possible delay and labor. It is possible that at this season there will remain a number of cabbage and cauliflower plants, especially the latter, which have failed to make heads. These may be lifted and planted in cold frames, or even protected where they are by banking the earth about the stems and protecting the tops with straw, and used for very early planting in the spring or if a few rough boards can be run along one side of them where they stand to form a shelter from the west wind and a little litter of corn fodder thrown over them to form a shed they will usually come through all right if a similar protection is given the parsley bed using evergreen boughs if procurable for the shelter on the leeward side parsley can usually be had all winter every effort should be made at this season to get rid of all insect pests which hibernate in any form a few hours spent in this work will be well repaid the cutworm, which is the first pest to appear and cause trouble in the spring, hibernates in the worm form usually and may be discovered along the edges of the sod land under boards and other rubbish which lie close to the ground. He does not go far in the earth at this time of the year, and a light scraping of the surface of the ground will unearth him in numbers. Wherever found, he should be killed at once. Most of the borers change into smooth brown chrysalids in the fall and are found in the ground not far from the surface. Fall plowing and spading is of much benefit, as it destroys considerable numbers of these pests. 
the cabbage butterfly lays its eggs and hatches out the succulent green worm, which, arriving at an adult stage, spins itself a silken chrysalid which is transmitted into a hard, paper-like shell, which will be found attached to the underside of the window cells, house siding, and other favorable places. The worm sometimes traveling considerable distances to find favorable winter quarters, the shelter they require being of the slightest, a quarter of an inch of projecting wood seeming to meet all requirements. The tomato worm enters the ground to a considerable depth before changing into the large brown chrysalid, with its curious-shaped handle, which is the case for its equally curious tongue. In studying these worms at close range, it was always one of the difficulties in their rearing to give them boxes of earth of sufficient depth to induce them to change at the right time. They would enter the earth and penetrate to the bottom and return again and again to the surface each time more irritable and uneasy, until finally nature proved too much for them and they were compelled to accept conditions as they found them. It is a very fascinating study, this of the moths and the butterflies, when one can watch them through the four changes, winged creature, infinitesimal egg, the curious, often beautiful worm, and its still more curious shell and cradle through which it braves the storm of winter as it waits for the resurrection of the spring. The worms lose much of their repulsiveness when studied at close range, and in captivity soon come to know one, and to show none of the signs of irritation displayed by the wild worms, or the tame ones in the presence of strangers. Many gardeners make a practice of hauling manure to the garden in the fall, that it may leach into the soil during the winter and be ready to turn under in the spring. This is of doubtful value, as much of the substance of the manure is lost. A better plan would be to pile the manure under shelter where it would be protected from the action of the elements, and to fork it over often during the winter to prevent heating, and then to draw it on the land early in the spring while yet the ground is frozen enough to get onto it easily. In a small garden plot it is seldom, if ever necessary, to use much rough manure, and it will be well to fork out all the corn stalks and coarse material and pile them in a heap to burn, or better compost them, as they are nothing but a nuisance in a garden. In February, the wood ashes, which may have accumulated during winter, may be spread on the asparagus beds and along the rhubarb rows, and if there are enough, about the fruit trees and berry bushes. If one has a few choice fruit trees, it will be time well spent to give them a coat of whitewash at the approach of severe weather and again at intervals during the winter, making at least three applications, the last to precede the cold waves of February and March, according to locality. This will protect the trees by preventing the absorption of sun heat and enable them to withstand the rigors of the winter. A heavy mulch about the roots of the fruit trees in any section where there is light or no snowfall will be of the greatest benefit. It is a good plan to place the manure directly on the ground in the fall or early winter under the trees. It is also an excellent time to secure it and so have it in readiness for early spring use, and if there is no convenient place in which to store it, it may still be engaged and its time of delivery fixed, always remembering that old manure is what is wanted and that that will be found at the bottom of the pile, and it should be clearly stipulated that this is what is to be delivered. If any seeds have been saved from the garden, these should be sorted out and stored in properly labeled bags or boxes against the time that will be wanted in the spring. In addition to the label, the packet should always bear the date of their saving. As seeds are often carried over from year to year, and, not being dated, quite old seeds, unfit for planting, often comes to be used much to the hindrance and loss of the gardener. While seeds are little affected by frost, 
I prefer to store them in a dry, frost-proof place if possible, and it is especially important that they be kept out of the reach of mice, which much enjoy a banquet of melon, squash, or pumpkin seeds, and do not disdain less succulent morsels. The long winter evenings and any stormy days which find one at leisure may profitably be spent in getting ready for spring work by putting all the tools in first-class order, painting them when necessary, oiling and sharpening them to a working edge. Racks for tomatoes may be manufactured quickly and cheaply by using three or four stakes with pointed ends and a couple of iron or wooden barrel hoops. These are nailed to the top of the stakes and to a point nine or ten inches below and are set over the plants as soon as they begin to make growth. Boxes for covering the melon hills may also be prepared and the frame for the hotbeds, if one is not already supplied with that convenience. Stakes for marking rows of vegetables will be little work to prepare and will save time in the hurry of planting. Many of the racks and trellises used about the garden during the summer will serve for another season if taken up and stored in a dry place over winter. Especially will this be the case if any metal or wire parts are concerned. Fences and walks should be given attention and put in condition to stand the weather. Gates are prone to sag on the hinges and posts to work loose under the force of a winter's gale. And an hour's work in this portion of the yard may save a day's work during the busy time of spring. And last but not least, it will be a good plan to make a brief but orderly record of the season's work, noting down all failures and their cause, recording all new information which has been gained, such as the amount of time it requires for the various seeds to germinate, the length of time it takes for the different vegetables to come into bearing, the proportion of seed which germinated, the causes, as far as known, for any seed to fail to grow, the quality of the several varieties of vegetables, and any data as to better varieties grown in a neighbor's or market gardener's grounds. All this data will be of value in starting the next season's garden, and will be always available and reliable, which is seldom the case where the memory alone takes charge of these items. The record may also give account of the expenditures and receipts, though as far as this goes, it is sometimes more comfortable not to look too closely into the details when gardening for pleasure or for the privilege of eating one's own vegetables. One must sacrifice something in learning to garden, just as the young housewife sacrifices her eggs and butter and flour in learning to cook. It is the resultant knowledge, after all, which counts, and if the work is done in one spare time, with little labor hired, the balance cannot be far on the wrong side. End of the Vegetable Garden by Ida Dandridge Bennett